Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Thursday edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen, 704-570-1110. As always, is the telephone number to get in on the show. And guys, follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. So breaking news is something that I've been able to do quite extensively over the last three or four years, especially when it comes to CMS, whether it's who's being fired at CMS, who's being hired at CMS, like with, especially with superintendents, and a lot of different things. Well, this has been eight months in the making with CMS superintendent, Dr. Crystal Hill. And she granted me more time to do an, inter- to do in an interview with her, more time than she has anyone. And as a matter of fact, it went... It was so extensive that it went over two separate days and two separate weeks to do a sit down with her. And I asked her a myriad of questions. But we're going to start tonight with my interview with Dr. Crystal Hill. We're going to play some of it tonight, some of it tomorrow night. And the first part here tonight is where I'm going to talk to her about a lot of different policy changes in in terms of the structure of CMS and some of the changes that she's implementing. So without further ado, here is my exclusive interview with Dr. Crystal Hill, the superintendent of CMS. One year you've been at the helm. I know it was the interim superintendent, but you came in immediately and started making changes. You didn't just wait around. So how has the last year been trying to make all these changes that you've been doing? Mm -hmm. So when they hired me on as the interim, um, the board was very clear with me that they wanted me to keep the train not only on the tracks, but moving full steam ahead because we had so much work to do. Um, However, my time as interim, completely different as my time as superintendent. And I think that has been um, a little bit of a surprise even to me. Um, I think, you know, when you're interim, there's an end date, right? You know that this deal is only last for six months. I had another job to go back as the chief of staff. Um, But when you're the superintendent, it's the real deal. One thing that I will say, though, is when I um, stepped into the role of the interim, I knew that I was going to go back as the chief of staff. And the role of the chief of staff is to be the right-hand person for the superintendent. So I did not want to be in a situation where the new superintendent would look at me and say, what in the world did you do the last six months? So I ran it the very best I could because I knew that I would be accountable to whoever the new superintendent would be. And of course, that was before I made the decision to apply. Then when I made the decision to apply, I obviously was along that same vein, but I needed to keep things going in the event that I was a superintendent. So 
either way, I was going to be the superintendent or I was going to be the chief of staff. Either way, I was going to be held accountable for what happened in those first six months. And then your name, superintendent, while you were interim, was CMS more of a mess than you had envisioned? Because that's what everyone talked about. Well, like central office was a mess. Everything was just a mess from inside out because it had been too incestuous for two decades. Was it a bigger situation than you envisioned when you got here? You went, holy cow, we've got to do this. We've got to do that. We've got to do this. I wouldn't use the word mess. I would use the word unstable. Um, very unstable for a variety of reasons. And to answer your question, yes, more unstable than what I thought outside looking in. And that's to be expected, right? Um, the, the, the main reason, I mean, there's multiple reasons, but because we were unstable before the pandemic. The pandemic just exasperated everything. But when you take a look at the number of superintendents that have been here over the last decade, I mean, that's very telling. And so with that, there's also been changeover in, um, you know, people that are in cabinet uh, level positions as well as other positions. And that institutional knowledge kind of walks out of the door. And also, we weren't well documented in terms of our processes and procedures. So, you know, when you're trying to um, enact something or do something, you're spending a lot of time asking, what do we do here? What do we do here? What's the process here? What's the process here? Which is, it, it wastes a lot of time. But to answer your question, yes, much bigger than what I um, anticipated. And I would say that even now. I mean, you know, every day there's something new that pops up that wasn't necessarily on my radar. Is CMS too big? Because that's... I mean, even before I started covering CMS, that's all you would yeah. hear. It's too big. Like the people in Cornelius and Davidson are treated like the people no. in Steel Creek. Is it too big? No, I don't think it's too big. I think it's too big if, if, if we tighten up our processes and procedures, it allows things to become like this, or we have time to be more relational and have more time to be innovative. We spend too much time on things that should be like clockwork which is why it feels like it's too big. I was just having a conversation um, with our team about like, when you have a concern in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools, how do you lift your concern? I, I don't, I guess maybe I call, are we, are we naive to think that with 141 customer, 141,000 customers that people aren't gonna have concerns? Well, that's why people go to board services because at least they know, well, that's one way to solve my, so that's another one of the things that with the, this new restructuring that our chief of staff, I've asked her to take on, like, you're going to be in charge of administrative and customer service because we don't have any customer service in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools that's standardized. Each school kind of does their own thing. But if I have a concern or if I just move to Charlotte, how do, how, who do I call? I don't know. So is it too big? No, we just have a lack of a system to address the largeness. And I believe that if once we put some systems in place to address the largeness, we can, we have amazing people in this district, amazing people that work here and amazing community members. Um, there's no reason why we can't be the number one district in the state and one of the number one in the, in the country, one of the best in the country. When you came in, you started making a lot of changes and there's new positions, positions that are being eliminated that are no longer here. Is one of the positions that you're going to eliminate are learning community superintendents? Yes. 
So when I first came, we had six. Hugh Hattaquah came in and made it nine. One of the reasons he did that was to reduce the number of principals that were assigned to each principal supervisor. So we're doing away with that model, and now we'll be focused more on grade span. So we'll have elementary, middle, high school, and K-8. And um, we're not quite sure regionally how we're going to make that work, but the whole um, thought process of there's nine different communities that are um, ran by different superintendents. You know, you asked me the question, I thought CMS was too big. And so um, that model, I think, may have been effective in the past, but for where we need to go now, that model um, will just won't work. So maybe from what I understand, two high school assistant superintendents, two middle school, and five uh, elementary, is that accurate? Yes, and one K-8. One K-8, okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. What was the, did you, so to get where you want to go, why do you think that position or that way is better? Sure, so right now we have one person that's responsible for the full grade span of pre-K through 12. That's a lot of ground to cover in terms of curriculum. And so, you know, when we're looking at our data and there's an issue with graduation rate, for example, um, the way that our goals are set up right now, you know, mainly focused on third grade reading and math one, because graduation rate isn't a goal, it kind of goes unchecked, if that makes sense. Um, not anyone specifically focused on that area. However, with this new model, we'll be able to stay true to the goals that the board has set forth for us while still having a really strong way to be able to support other areas that may not be the district's focus because, of course, graduation rate is extremely important. So um, our high school um, school performance officers will be focused only on high school. They won't have to deal with all the pre-K, early entry, K-3 literacy, um, you know, fifth grade science, eighth grade science, all of that. They'll just really be focused on high school and what it takes to make a really um, strong high school. The other reason why I'm doing that is um, to take out um, the guesswork, if you will, if we're going to have a really strong customer service model, I want to make sure that we have a core experience for our students and also for our families. So that is my first part of the interview with Dr. Crystal Hill. When we return, we're going to get into part two of my interview, and it's going to focus in on pay structure and you know the perception that she's hiring her friends who's then hiring their friends, and they're coming in at you know very high prices and very high salaries. So I'm going to talk with Dr. Crystal Hill about that when we return. I am Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. I am Brett Jensen, and we are in the midst of my extremely exclusive sit-down interview with Dr. Crystal Hill. Has she done other sit-downs? Yes. Are they anywhere near as extensive as this? Not even close. A lot of the other people didn't even know about the things that I was able to ask Crystal Hill about this particular, you know, about a wide range of topics. And she gave me more time than just about, uh, as a matter of fact, she's given, she gave me more time over two days than anyone else. So extremely grateful for that because it allowed me to touch on a myriad of topics from all over the place. So now I'm going to talk to her about pay structure because one of the complaints that I hear as 
you know, maybe the, you know, the, you know, is one of the top reporters that covers CMS in terms of getting information and stuff like that, is that you have a lot of people that work for CMS that constantly reach out to me. And so I'm, you know, they think that uh, there's some pay structures and pay inequities that's going on. People who've been there 15 years, 20 years that are now getting paid less than people who are coming in under the new management who have less experience but are getting more money. So I wanted to talk to her about that. The perception is within CMS, and even a little bit outside, but more within CMS, that you brought in your friends and then they're bringing in their friends. The two, the people that you brought in and the cabinet members, but like Shayla Kennedy got a raise to 180,000. And then just before you brought your people in, she got another raise up to over 200,000 to be in that same level. So it looks like from the outside that you gave everyone a raise so that you could give your people even more money. So from everything that I hear from within is that it looks like that these people are coming in and getting like a lot of money, more money than they've ever made in their entire careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all within that same system. Like you're bringing in your people, they're, they're bringing in their people, even if they don't have experience. So thing one would be I don't hire my friends. Although none of these people are your friends? I don't hire friends. I hire people that I've worked with and people that I know, but I hire people that can do the job. So, and, you know, if you want to work for Crystal Hill, being a friend's not on the list. I have a lot of people that would like to work for me that won't be working for me in a certain role unless they're able to do the role. So the number one thing that I am focused on, it's interesting that you bring this up because I had a conversation with this um, about this yesterday with someone. Um, my priority is first performance and relationships then are, are second. Never relationships first and then performance. So you mentioned um, Shayla Kennedy. She didn't get, she, Shayla was hired after I was hired. No, I know. She, she came so she in. she didn't get a raise. She came in and she was at 140, then I believe at 180, and then you bumped her up to two. If she came in at two something, I don't, she did not come. A cabinet member wouldn't have come in at 140. She, well, it was because it, it was a temporary position. It was like an interim position when she came, she came in for the she one year. She was not hired for an interim position. It was just the it was the one year, right? But it wasn't an interim position. Okay, well, it was, it was just a, a one year contract. She had a one year contract. Yeah, yeah, so right. the way the general statute reads is that any superintendent that's hired cannot hire anybody for more than a contract that extends theirs. So at the time, Hugh had a ball with superintendent. He could not extend her contract beyond June 30th of 2023. And so whatever she was hired in May when she came, because she came right after I did, I was on the panel to hire her. Um, Whatever that salary was, compensation calculated that. And so whatever that contract was, her con- her pay stayed the same for one year mm-hmm. until June 30th, mm-hmm. 2023. And then on July 1, everyone on cabinet was brought whole. And so what I mean by that is you had Nancy Brightwell, you had Shayla Kennedy, we had Candace Simmons-Hosey, we had Brian Schultz, and I'm missing one person. But those four people were what their salaries were, and all of their contracts were set to end, either because Hugh had hired them for Shayla or Ernest had hired them. Mm -hmm. So their contracts all ended. So what I did was I extended them all to a four-year contract 
to provide um, stability because we've been so unstable in our district. I wanted to make sure that the people that I was bringing on would have a contract commensurate with mine. And um, now that I'm saying those words, I think I know what you're referring to. So let me backtrack a little bit when I was interim. So let me ex let me go back and explain. So you are correct. So when Shayla was hired, she was hired for a one-year contract. Her contract ended June 30th, 2023. Everyone else on cabinet, their contract also ended June 30th, 2023 because Ernest had hired them. So all of my cabinet members were very concerned about were they going to have a contract. And so I went to the board and I said, the people that are sitting on cabinet, stellar performance, I'm going to extend, there's no reason not to extend their contract. I'm going to extend their contract for what I can legally do, because I was interim, because the statute also reads that if the, if the superintendent's contract is less than a year, you can extend it for a year. So they all got a new contract, you're correct, about March. They all got a new contract that would at least say, if Crystal Hill's not the superintendent, they, nobody knew that I was you know, in the running at that time until, of course, you broke that news. Well, I was going to say, something new. <laughs> <laughs> until you broke that news, nobody knew that I was in the running. But what I was trying to do was create a level of stability. Because quite honestly, they were all looking. They didn't know who their boss was going to be. They just needed job security for the next four months. So I did what was right. I extended their contract. Then I went back to the board and said, all right, now that it's me, I'm going to give all the people on cabinet a four-year contract, and this is the salary. If you're on cabinet, this is your salary, unless you're the deputy or the CFO. And the deputy and CFO do make more than everybody else that's on cabinet. So that's the reason behind that. It wasn't so I can bring my people in and they make more money. Um, Nothing like that. I, like I told you last time, if you sit at this table, it doesn't matter if you've been doing the job for 15 years or 32 years, you're still held to the exact same standard. So the pay should be the same. And that's the common practice in multiple districts. So what Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools was doing was um, it created a lot of inequities and caused a lot of issues, to be quite honest with you. I want to look at some of the departments. Mm -hmm. When you came in, you brought in Kelly Klutz in the mm -hmm. finance department. Mm -hmm. There's been mass turnover in the finance department since she has taken over. I want to say around a dozen people have left, maybe even 13. Mm, so I'm not sure about those numbers. Really though. close. I mean, because I've got I've got like some of the spreadsheets mm -hmm. over there. And the support staff, you know, I would say maybe the directors and below the support staff mm -hmm. that, you know, they've been here for 15 10, 15, 20, 25 years, and right. others are coming in with less experience, or, and but because they have a relationship with their new chief or the executive directors, that's that they're making true. more money. Well, I'd have to see yeah. what you're referring yeah. to. I mean, I right. can't. No, I know, and I know, and I don't. Yeah, and I don't expect you to know every single. Yeah, like, but I what I will that. say is that our compensation department runs compensation. Um, I had major concerns with our compensation, the way that we were doing compensation, because nobody can explain to me how people were getting paid. There was no rhyme or reason as to who was making what. In fact, the rumor was that people would leave Charlotte Mecklenburg schools and then come back so they can make more money, because there was this weird rule that you would get a 3% or 5% increase. So the only reason why people may be making more is because they were making more outside and when they come here, 
the rule is they get a 3% or 5% raise. That okay. was the rhyme or reason. Um, but one thing that I did do immediately when um, Dr. Khan came, who's our HR person, and Kelly Klutz came, is we immediately started a salary study. So if you go back, two things, if you go back and look at our budget request to the county last spring, my budget request was for compensation. First thing that I wanted to address was equity pay for principals, and then also look at equity pay for other specific positions. So we had a team, I brought in an HR consultant to try to shift through and say, what would be the highest priority for year one to address salaries? And we addressed that with last year. This budget cycle that's coming up, spoiler alert, what I'll be going after is compensation. And to prompt that, we did a salary study because what we asked for last year, it took forever to try to sort out how, who we were gonna ask for what and based on what data, the data just wasn't as clear cut as I needed it to be. So as soon as Keisha and Kelly came on, I said, I need you to, to do a salary study, which they started, um, and, and that's where we are with that. So you know, in six months, I can't come in with a magic wand and fix everything. Um, it's absolutely impossible. But I do know that compensation is a, an issue, and I, I believe strongly that people should be treated equitably. And so, you know, to push, people have their perceptions, but I'll just go on the record that I take huge offense of that. Like, if anything that I get questioned about, my integrity is no. what is most important to me. So I would never do anything that was not above board. Um, you know, I make mistakes, but I would never intentionally do anything that's not above board. And compensation is a priority because I believe that public school educators are not compensated the way that they should be. So it's definitely a priority. It'll be part of my budget request and the decisions that I make have to be rooted in data. So that is part one of my interview with CMS Superintendent Dr. Crystal Hill. Part two will be tomorrow night. Again, um, more access, was given more access to the superintendent than any media person has even come close to and asking her about topics that no other media person would ask about so part two is tomorrow and i think she's uh the one thing like i will say this about a lot of people uh you know whether it's dina diori the county manager or back in the day when it was uh gibby harris who's the the health director during covid you may not have liked their answers but at least they were giving you real answers and whether you like the answers that dr crystal hill is giving or not at least she's not giving non-answer answers. She's not sidestepping questions. Uh, so part two is tomorrow, so make sure you stick around for that. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen, going up until 8 o'clock. Okay, so I was on WFNZ, what's today? Thursday. So I was on WFNZ on Tuesday for a full 30 minutes. And a lot of the time I was talking about the gambling bill, the online gambling bill. Where is it? What's going on? And so I wanted to like pass some of that information along to you guys. And right now, the goal of the North Carolina Lottery Commission, which is in charge of the new online gambling, sports gambling, 
and I assume you'll be able to gamble on presidential races and anything else. But online gambling. The goal by for the North Carolina uh, Lottery Commission is to have it up and running for the first week of March Madness. March Madness starts on a Tuesday. You have the Tuesday-Wednesday playing games. The goal is to have it up by that Monday, like the day before. You know, And in a perfect world, they'd have it up the week before so you don't have any glitches. But I don't think there will be. I just... I don't because you're not dealing with North Carolina lottery apps. You're dealing with FanDuel, DraftKings, Caesars, MGM, whatever. So you're going to be dealing with their apps, not anything associated with the North Carolina lottery. So that is the goal right now. And you've had all these companies submit their names, going, "Hey, we want to be eligible in North Carolina." It's the way it works. They don't pick just one company. It's basically like anyone. It'd be like, "Hey, we want to sell," you know. Um, groceries in North Carolina. Okay, well, you just, you know, you, you sign up, fill out your tax forms, and do what you got to do. So it's pretty much the same way. You just got to fill out your tax forms. You put in your, your name that, hey, we want to be included in this. We want to be able to do this. So the Kings Mountain uh, Casino at Exit 5 on I-85 going towards South Carolina, they have submitted, you know, their their name. Hey, we want to be included. The Cherokee Casinos people, they have con- included their name. As a matter of fact, Cherokee, Cherokee Casinos, it's Harris Casinos, but it's in Cherokee. They are the official tailgate partner of the Carolina Panthers. So I, I want you to think about that for a second. That came down two years ago. Why do you think that is the case? Because everyone knew sooner or later And more likely sooner, we were going to have online gambling in North Carolina. We were going to be closer to the rest of the country. Because over half of the states, I want to say it's like in the 30s, 33, 34 states have online gambling. So, Harris is the official tailgate partner of the Carolina Panthers. And I can also tell you that a sports book is going to be built pretty much directly across the street from the stadium. And what's a sports book? It's a place where you can watch all the games at once in a big lounge chair, and you can gamble on all the games in person if you don't want to do it on your phone, and you got food and drinks and stuff like that. It's like going to a sports bar where you can gamble. You just walk up to the window and go, hey, I want to put 10 bucks on the Carolina Panthers. Or you can just do it on your phone, either way. But you can go there with your friends, and that's why it's a big deal in Vegas. That's why so many people go to Vegas during the Super Bowl. That's why so many, and even more so, I think it's more so, I could be wrong. They go to Vegas during the first weekend of March Madness. I know friends who go to Vegas from Charlotte every single year for like the last 15, 20 years during the first week of March Madness. So they can watch all the games at once on these giant 80-inch, 100-inch TVs and just gamble their faces off and bet and drink and you know do whatever it is that guys do when they're at sports books. But the actual name of the building where people do it is called a sports book. That's what it's called. So that's the goal right now. And I know the Hornets are talking about building one for them. There's going to probably be a pop-up sports book where you can do that at, at uh, Quail Hollow during the Wells Fargo tournaments. And so they're going to be at CMS or C- Charlotte Motor Speedway, I should say, make sure there's no uh, miscommunications. But Charlotte Motor Speedway, they are going to build one directly across the street from the Speedway. So a lot of these entities are going to be building sports books. But that's the goal right now, to have it up and running by the first week of March Madness, 
where you can legally sign into Caesars, DraftKings, FanDuel, like I said, MGM, whatever the case may be. But that's where we are. Why the delay? It's a good question. The initial plan was to have it up and running January 8th, just in time for the NFL playoffs. Because, you know, why would anyone ever want to miss the biggest gambling day of the year, the Super Bowl? Like, I I don't know, but they did. And so here we are. You know, it'll be in time for the Masters. It'll be in time for March Madness. As we start going forward, NASCAR, you'll be able to start gambling on NASCAR if that's what you want to do. But that is the plan right now. That's the goal is to have it up and running by the beginning of March Madness. And I believe, I think it's June 8th, June 5th, something like that. If they don't have it up and running, the state doesn't have it, have it up and running, the North Carolina Lottery Commission, then I think it just goes away and they have to start this process all over again. And somebody said, well, do you think that they're trying to not have this? Well, no, because here's why. You have the Republicans that were pushing for it, and you had this, the governor, who's a Democrat, pushing for it. So this is truly, truly bipartisan. You had Republicans and Democrats not want it, and Republicans and Democrats that did want it, including the governor. So no, I don't think that's, that's the issue. It has, this one has nothing to do with politics or anything like that, because we're already dealing with gambling. It's called the lottery. They're already doing that. So I don't think that's an issue. All right, when we come back, let's get a look, take a look into a couple other things. Some things happened in Gastonia yesterday that I want to take a look at and give some updates to you guys. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Welcome back to the final segment for a few more minutes with Breaking with Brett Jensen. we got about five minutes to go or so. So, okay. Most of you know that I grew up in Gaston County, the southern part near, say, what is now Forest View High School, but like on the Lake Wiley side of Gaston County. I never grew up in Gastonia, even though I went to school in Gastonia and, and everything else. And I would a lot of times, I love sports, and you guys know sports is my background, so I would go to all these different places, all these different rec centers. I grew up at the Salvation Army Boys and Girls Club. Back then it was just the Salvation Army Boys Club, even though girls could show up whenever they wanted. And, but I spent a lot of time after school there for 10 years. And, but I would, during the weekends, I'd go to other places. And one of the places that I would go to just to play pickup basketball, you know, and you're 16 years old and, you know, 18 years old and even, you know, even 20 years old. One of the places that I, you'd go to would be Irwin Center. And there were a lot of places, some of the places that were in, you know, considered bad parts. Well, Irwin Center was considered one of the bad parts, but I would go there all the time and, you know, look, it was I, I, I was all about sports. That's all I cared about. And did it matter if there were 20 people there and I was one of two white guys? Like, I didn't care. Like, it didn't even really matter. I was just like, like, oh, I'm just here to play basketball. That's all I care about. Well, last night, this – and actually, when we would play church league games, was one of the places that we would play would be Irwin Center. And Irwin Center is basically right in the heart, in the dead center of Gastonia. And there are, it's, in a, it's in a rough neighborhood. It, it, I'm not going to lie to you. It's in a rough neighborhood. But all of a sudden, this happens last night. Oh, my gosh. What was that? Sound like a gun. 
Gunfire inside of a gym during a Gastonia youth basketball game. The shots sent parents and kids scrambling. And there is, of course, fallout with the rec league. Look at that evidence there. Queen City News anchor Rob Kennedy live at the Irwin Center where the gun went off last night. Yeah, terrifying to hear that um, on video there. Robin, was anyone charged for this? Morgan Alicia, a Gastonia police report says that Wallav Montgomery Jr. was charged with weapons law violations. Now, there is a sign posted up on the door to the gym here that says he was not supposed to have a gun inside. Ashley Porch was so excited about her son's basketball game that she put it on Facebook Live. It was exciting and it was getting good. But in the first quarter, the enthusiasm ended abruptly. Everything was quiet as the 11 and 12 year old players lined up for a free throw. Oh my gosh! What was that? And as soon as he shot it, as soon as it hit the rim, we heard a big bang and it was a gunshot. And some parents jumped up and got their kids and took home and they're not coming back. Ashley says it appeared the bullet hit the floor, then the wall, and then grazed the back of the man whose gun discharged. Her son says the man was bleeding. And Ashley saw him pick up the shell casing right after the shot went off. I couldn't figure out why. Why would they bring the gun, a loaded gun with no safety on it, into the children's youth basketball game? The shock still hasn't really worn off a day later. It's scary. Could have went a lot different. Because of the whole situation, one of my friends left the basketball team because his mom didn't want him on there. Was that made me a little bit angry because, like, I don't blame him either. Ashley thinks the rec center needs more security. That's not safe. I mean, when you go to high school games, they take every precaution necessary, you know, but I guess they're going to have to start doing that at City Gas on your rec. Now, Ashley says she did get a message this afternoon that says there will be no more games played here this season at the Irwin Center. We are working to confirm that with the city of Gastonia, as well as to find out how that man who was charged is connected with the rec league and if they're putting any additional security measures in place here at the Irwin Center. I'm live in Gastonia, Robin Kennedy, Queen City News. Yes, family. So that is Robin Kennedy doing the report out there and Irwin Center. It makes me sad. Like We used to have church league games there, for goodness sakes, and that gym would be crowded. And all the stands are on one side and the benches are on the other side against the wall, and that's about where the gun went off near the benches. So really, it just makes me sad because that's, well, that's one of the places that I grew up playing basketball. Like I said, from the time I was 10 all the way through, I don't know, maybe I was 20, 21 years old. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for tonight. Tomorrow night, part two of my exclusive and extensive sit-down interview with CMS Superintendent Dr. Crystal Hill. So until tomorrow, I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.